we're you know we're all storytellers whether you're in an artist world whether you're in production like whatever if you're in the industry like you're inherently a storyteller and all your stories come from you know come from you as a person and your background and stuff everything that people brings to the table when it comes to their own personal experience it enhances the culture enhances the community and tells better stories and we can make cooler cartoons Hello, welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising black, indigenous, and people of color who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Dozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okamura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Andrew Arcilia. He's a Filipino-American working as a production coordinator. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm Andrew Arcilia. I'm a production coordinator, and I've been working in the industry for a few years now and loving it. So the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We're going to give you two similar choices, and then you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Awesome. I'll start us off with the first question. Would you rather be the dragon warrior like Poe from Kufu Panda or the special like Emmett from the Lego movie? Hold up, you can't throw these questions at me. <laughs> right off the Way bat. too early in the yeah. morning. <laughs> um, no, uh, um, at first I was like, oh, I could handle any question you guys throw at me, but this is the one I'm just like, oh man, I gotta think about this one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so if I have to choose between Emmett and Poe, who I'd rather be, I actually think I'd go Emmett only uh, only because of the fact that, like, you know, I love Legos <laughs> and <Aww. laughs> I aspire to be a master builder. I watch um, Lego Masters and I'm like, all the Lego stuff. Oh, wow. yeah. That's so cute. Yeah, so that's basically it. Oh, gosh. That was like super hard question. <laughs> yeah, I, I can visually see like your brain fighting itself trying to figure out what to choose. Yeah, it took, it took, me, it took me all so much time to come to that. So there you go. Yeah, no, no worries. That's really no. sweet. Do you, do you buy the like big adult sets that they have for Lego? Oh, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yuki, all sets are adult sets. <laughs> um, but um, You're right. at my parents' house, I literally have, you know, all like my Star Wars and like Indiana Jones and like Johnny Thunder Legos. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like the kind of kid, like I follow the instructions, I build it and mm. like, great, don't take it apart. So I have <laughs> all these sets still built in my parents' house. And to this day, they just have Legos like scattered around their house on like the balcony and like in my three rooms now and they're just waiting for me to get my own house so that i can like absorb all of them but yeah that's incredible yeah that's really awesome actually like oh my god that reminds me of like a funny story when i was like in middle school i had a friend that also kind of built legos we were in his room he was showing me around and as i was like looking i actually stepped back and like hit one with my elbow and accidentally destroy it and i'm like oh and i was like oh no i'm so sorry so and like as i'm stepping back i step another one that's on the floor <laughs> Oh, I, was just like, I was like, oh no, it feels so bad. And he's just like standing there like <laughs> like, like jaw dropped to the floor just like looking at what I did and I felt incredibly bad. It was it was literally like a sitcom moment. I unintentionally knocked one over and again in like and then getting backed up into another one. It's just like how did this happen? Not not two in a row. <laughs> After that, I just stood still. I just didn't bother moving anywhere else. I'm like, I'm just standing here. I'm not going to wreck anything else. 
that that's fair. Um, so you're the live version of my dad built the shelf for my Legos, and this <laughs> shelf, like, after like a few months, like broke off the wall. So like, um, yeah. So I have like three Star Warships falling at the same time. Oh, so no. you're the uh, yeah, oh, the smash God. on the floor and a very glorious uh, array of explosions. But yeah, so you're 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 the human version of my shelf. Were you in the room when that happened? Um, I was in high school. I was like working at my desk, and then I hear like a little creaking happen, and I turn around, and yeah, oh, the shell no! just like goes. So no! you feel like it's slow mo in your eyes as it was like falling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, part of it was a little satisfying because they were like uh, Tie Fighters mm-hmm. and like X Wing and stuff. So <laughs> it was kind of cool, like seeing it in a snapshot, just like oh, space battle, and then kaboom, yeah, like. <laughs> micro space battle happening yeah exactly (laughs) last question who had a better infernal music scene chernobog from fantasia or claude frollo from the hunchback of notre dame (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay cool so i'm a huge musical fan and oh yeah i have um (laughs) gosh i have an affinity for um (laughs) for hellfire just because Mm -hmm. um they had a hunchback musical but it was like off broadway but Mm -hmm. um you know i went to go to see it and just that specific song Mm -hmm. seeing it like live on stage and everything it was just like oh my gosh this is like so intense Mm -hmm. uh and the live action musical is like much darker so just i just because i guess just because like that personal connection um i def i'd say like frollo but yeah Mm. oh both very good. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a hard choice between the two. I would definitely say Cut for Love definitely feels like I want to say more intimate. Oh, for sure. And I think the yeah. the China Block is just more epic. I would say. Yeah, I mean, like, because because Club Frodo he's singing about like being a human and like basically you know being tempted and how he's supposed to be like a good person. He's like, I'm a nice guy, I'm a good person, but like <laughs> they're making me sin or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so it it is it's is definitely more of like you're looking into this guy like this villain and you're like, "Oh, uh, like I kind of get it, but you're still an asshole." Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. He's he's horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, man. Thanks so much for playing in between with us. Uh hopefully you had fun playing. Hopefully those weren't too tough for you. Uh they were incredibly <laughs> challenging. <laughs> well, for those if you enjoyed today's MB2 questions, let us know your responses. Or if you have suggestions for your future in-between questions, you can always contact us on social media. Can we start off by you telling us, how did you first break into the animation industry? If I were to like backtrack a little bit, um, my first sort of exposure, I guess, to the animation industry. I grew up in Santa Cruz, which is, you know, isn't too far from, you know, Burbank, Glendale and everything. So Mm-hmm. A lot of my friends, uh, their parents like worked in animation, and I was always just like curious, like what's that job do? What's that job do? And then like learned about production. So mm-hmm. through that, I was just like, oh, that's cool. Like I love animation. You know, just the way my brain works. I love like you know sort of big picture things and like helping coordinate a team and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the more and more I learned about production, I was like, oh yeah, I think this is like something I want to like look into and like pursue a little bit. So mm-hmm. as I was coming out of high school and going to college, I was like, okay, so production's a thing and I want to get into animation. You know, there's no like 
production animation yeah, major. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but unfortunately, uh, there's not. <laughs> yeah. So at least for me, I thought the best way was like, okay, well, I'm definitely one of those people that likes to understand how things work before trying to help people out with it. Right. So I went to school for animation. <laughs> uh, so my first sort of in-depth look, you know, at the world of animation was. Uh, going to school. I went to school at Woodbury University. And of course, I had to like, you know, take the classes. So I took like animal drawing, life drawing, character design, visual development. And, you know, here I am this like production focused person, like, you know, trying my best to like draw and get through, which yeah. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I got through. <laughs> and um, yeah, my uh, senior thesis film was like a full on musical. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So um, that experience in itself was super great. But like just being able to go through school and like understand like the process that people yeah. sort of go mm-hmm. through, the, like approach certain assignments and certain tasks and just like the differences in like different career fields, like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, storyboarding versus visual development stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was like super helpful, at least for me. So mm-hmm. uh, with that said, my like way of getting into animation, I got my first internship at Warner Brothers Animation. And that was super fun. And then my next internship after that was uh, DreamWorks TV. That's awesome. And then from DreamWorks, you rolled on to DreamWorks full-time, correct? Yeah, uh, I guess speaking a little bit more into that. So funnily enough, at my first internship, I was on a uh, like it was a Hanna-Barbera reboot as a production intern. And mm-hmm. um, it was Wacky Races. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, awesome. uh, yeah. And, you know, since I was like definitely like my first one and like everyone in the animation industry is like so nice and like willing to like teach you and not like, help. So mm-hmm. um, when I was there, I had like, you know, so many people like just like flooding my brain with like whatever I wanted to know. And I love asking questions. So I learned so much o- over there. And then mm-hmm. um, so funnily enough, when I went to DreamWorks TV, it was another car show, Fast and Furious Spy Racers. So I'm just <laughs> so um, this was like, you know, a subconscious thought. I'm like, wow, I'm going to like typecast myself as the uh, production <laughs> car person. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, I did my internship with the Fast and Furious team. And then, like you just said, I rolled on full time as a production assistant. And then I kind of grew a lot within my career within a few years on the Fast and Furious team because I went from mm. intern to production assistant to coordinator. And, nice. That's really awesome. Yeah, and yeah, rolled on to another show and working as a coordinator ever since. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. One of the things I kind of really like about that story of kind of how you broke into how you got started was that, again, you were kind of living in a city or living in a place where there was people that you knew were working in the industry. That's not super typical for a lot of people growing up or knowing mm-hmm. somebody that's even working in animation. So it just goes to kind of show that when you're introduced to like this career or to people that work in this field at an early age, it can really like create a spark for someone to want to pursue something like that. Like that's something I wish I had when I was younger. And I yeah. wish a lot of people had when they were younger. Yeah, no, a thousand percent. In addition to what you just said, too, something that like every single person I talked to growing up who worked in the industry, they always mentioned the community. Mm. And I was just, mm-hmm. and you know, and they'd always like mention the community as like the best time. You're friends with everyone, and everyone knows each other, and it's like you know this whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. that was sort of another driving force as I was going through like school and everything. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, this community sounds cool, and then like you know, <laughs> it's sort of like a, just a dream come true in general, just like being a part of it and being like, yeah. oh, just the idea of what they originally said and that fitting with what it actually is. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I, I full on agree. 
So now that you've kind of been in the industry for a while, you've you've transitioned into this production coordinator role, and now you're currently a production coordinator at Disney TVA on an unannounced project. From what you're able to say, what is your typical day-to-day like as a production coordinator? Okay, yeah. So, uh, yeah, my day-to-day as a production coordinator, I guess, like, uh, depending on the show, uh, mm-hmm. production, you could have, like, you know, different responsibilities and everything. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, typically, like, my day-to-day sort of general tasks would be, you know, if there's any, like, shipments, you know, that come in from, like, over our partner studios, you know, just making sure that, like, that can stay out and distribute with the team. A lot of the time, I'll double check to see, especially if it's at the beginning of the week, what we're expecting, what to do, just to make sure we're on track. I'll talk with, you know, my fellow production coordinators and production staff, my mm-hmm. you know, own production assistant. I kind of like to uh, kind of do it in like two parts. I always try and like look at things at first to kind of get like a general overview of things. And then mm-hmm. uh, that's happening at the same time as I'm making sure that things I was looking at the week prior are still mm-hmm. running and going smoothly. So uh, <laughs> so I'm always like trying to like project ahead. But I think like the most um, important and like the biggest thing that I probably do as the production coordinator is like checking in with, you know, my supervisors, my leads, and like, especially like, you know, right. if there's a team I'm coordinating that, uh, you know, that specific team, just making sure that everyone's feeling good. Everyone you know doesn't have any questions. And uh, also trying to project if, you know, someone might be out sick that day or right. if they're on vacation or, you know, whatever it may be, just trying to make sure that like, no matter what's going on. I'm, you know, making sure that like everyone feels like they're set up for success, just uh, that they could really focus on what they're trying to do. Yeah, we, we've said this a lot on the show, but when production does their job, nobody notices because <laughs> everything's working. <laughs> so it's always great. Yeah, for sure. And when, when we don't, then like everyone notices. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really cool. You've worked as a PC for like a few studios at this point, right? Yeah. Is there something yeah. about being a, a PC that you really like, or are you just trying to move on to uh, being a PM maybe in the future? Yeah. Um, so I guess like for me, especially when it came through each of my, I guess, promotions, mm. uh, you know, from like intern to PA and PA to PC. Yeah. I always like uh, wanted to make sure that like whenever I got a promotion, it wasn't coming in place of me like trying to like, I guess, be like overly ambitious. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was always from a place of like, am I ready for this? Do I know the job that I'm getting into? Mm-hmm. I'll use like the example, like when I was a production assistant to production coordinator, like I spent like so much of my time as an assistant trying to like learn the job above me, which is the coordinator role. Mm-hmm. So by the time, like, you know, um, like my uh, line producer offered me promotion, I felt like super comfortable being like, okay, yeah, I could definitely do that job. And, uh, you know, I know I could like do it well because I already know the job. So um, I kind of made myself a coordinator in waiting as a production assistant. So just looking at it like step by step, production supervisor, production manager Mm -hmm. on my current team, everyone, like I said, super nice and like trying to share whatever they they can, whatever questions I have. So I guess the thing that just keeps me going is like learning as much as I can and learning more. So especially if I'm able to learn the job above me and kind of like set myself up for whatever opportunity may come next, that's sort of what keeps me going. So I guess like the process is what I kind of enjoy as a whole. For sure. That's really cool. Yeah. And then like kind of while we're on this topic, something I'm super curious about is like, as you were kind of saying, during your time on Fast and Furious by Racers, you got to move up within that production from intern to production assistant to production coordinator. In your own experience, what was a bigger jump for you, transitioning from intern to assistant or from assistant to coordinator? 
Yeah, I think for me, um, particularly, the bigger jump felt like it was actually from like intern to assistant. Mm. Mm-hmm. When I was a PA, I was able, you know, I had time to sort of like learn, uh, you know, learn everything I uh, I could. As an intern, I was absorbing everything I could as a sponge. But like, mm-hmm. you know, my um, my attention was divided because I was still in school at the time. Mm. And the transition from being like an intern to full time, my first like full time job in any industry, it was more of a tran- uh, transition, not for like the job itself, because like I learned as much as I could as an intern. And the first few months of transitioning into production assistant was sort of similar to my internship. They're still like, you know, teaching me and I was still sort of growing. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the the reason I say it's the bigger jump is because of the um, sort of the life in general, because, you know, I graduated from school and like, I don't want to say adulthood, but it kind of felt like adulthood was. <laughs> yeah. Came mm. really fast. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I finished my senior thesis. I was like so focused on like getting all of my school stuff tied up. I graduated and then it's just like, okay, here you go. Have fun in the industry. I like, you know, I got my first uh, apartment and like moved out of my parents' house. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> this is this is going on. Okay. And I was like setting up like a 401k. I'm like, oh, what, what, what? <laughs> hold up. <laughs> hold up. Last, last, last month I was, uh, last month I was sleeping in my uh, childhood room. <laughs> what is happening? So yeah, um, sorry. It was a long, long winded <laughs> explanation, but that's basically it. It was just, no, that, make, that makes sense. Yeah. Not only was stuff happening in your work life, but personal life was also changing. So I can see why that felt like a big jump and why that was yeah. a big jump. Yeah, for sure. So now that you've been like in the industry for like a handful of years, what was one thing that you have learned during your time in production that you didn't know when you first started? Yeah, a lot of things. <laughs> um, <laughs> at least for me, I learned about myself personally. And I learned like what sort of drives me when... I'm with a team or like what drives me at work and everyone has their own things that keeps them going throughout the day. And the thing that I learned was um, what's really important, like to me when, you know, I'm interviewing for like another show, if I'm rolling off my fever show and everything is like just wanting to make sure that like I, I get along with with the team in general, like, you know, uh, something that I've learned throughout my time in production was uh, how important a like team dynamic you know is especially if like you know in animation if you're essentially in a building with your team for full-time 40 hours a week uh and you're seeing the same people every single day and you know you're asking a lot of everyone's like you know like sort of like creative and like uh you know like mental capacity in general like you know everyone's like striving to make uh the best thing that they can so it's so important to also taken into account like how you personally like get along with everyone when you're um mm-hmm. you know going mm-hmm. on to a show and just like you know will that like team that you're hopping into like um offer you things that you're like looking for like you know whether that's like mentorship or maybe that's um you know just maybe it's a project itself or you know whatever it is it's just trying to figure out like what's the thing that like drives you mm. yeah what's the thing that will like drive you throughout your day and does that team that you're um, hopping into offer that? So lucky for me, I think like, you know, every show I've been on, it's always had exactly what I was looking for. So mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. I think like, that's really interesting that because you learned about, you know, production from such an early age and yeah, early age, but <laughs> <laughs> um, you learned about production from 
of an earlier age than a lot of people and the thing that drew you to it was the community but like to be honest what really the community is is like us it's we've built it and we bring ourselves and like we're real genuine people who just want to make cartoons (laughs) (laughs) and and uh share our knowledge and be around other people and i think that's really cool that you're being a part of that now um you know interviewing and, and being put on teams but also i'm guessing uh bringing people onto your team as a, a pc and stuff like that yeah like every, every single day i feel like um you know we're standing on the shoulders of giants like <laughs> the people we're working with it's insane to me they made the stuff that <laughs> inspired me to join the industry I'm, mm. it's like mm-hmm. it's so cool and i think it's like um like you said i yeah the community is us which i think super exciting that like it feels like this like unsaid thing like everyone like who's in animation like inherently just contributes to this sense of like yeah we're making our tunes and we love doing it so let's you know let's all do it together and try and make it as fun as possible so yeah no i love that (laughs) that's really great and then one of the things you like also did when getting into production is that kind of going back to when you were attending at Woodbury University, you got to take the art classes, which is something I didn't know, which I felt like was probably super helpful as far as like being in the artist's shoes when being on the production side. Is there anything else that you felt like your education kind of prepared you for, for life after college? Yeah, I think I'm going to preface this for like, uh, you know, with the idea that especially if you're trying to figure out like, you know, what you want to do early on and everything is, you know, whether like everyone's path is like, you know, sort of different, especially if, you know, you decide to, you know, go to school, uh, go, you know, have a mentor, go through mm-hmm. trade school. Like mm-hmm. um, there's so many different ways to navigate your way into the industry. And I guess like, you know, with that said, like, uh, at least for me, you know, I, I think I mentioned that the way my brain works, I'm, you know, very process based. So going to school was what made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And I think the, um, the biggest like takeaway I got from school that, led me into life after college was understanding my limits. And I guess like my limits in the sense of how much work I could handle at a time. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't learn that um, expectation of myself until I guess like my senior year when, you know, I was like doing my internship, I was, um, you know, taking all my classes and getting ready to graduate and on top of that, I was, you know, like, uh, like I said, you know, I was getting ready to like move from my parents' house. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I was granted this had to do with my classes, but I was working on my senior, my senior thesis film. Right. All of those in general felt like four or five jobs separately. And I was <laughs> doing it all at once. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it was very much, you know, uh, you know, I'd be sleeping in my car, I'd be sleeping in the in the lab, I'd be taking mm-hmm. a nap during my lunch break. You know, I was, um, and I commuted to school from my parents' house. So I was like driving all the time and, uh, I was exhausted like all the yeah. time to the point where when I took my senior pictures, I had like eye bags under my eyes oh, that you could wow. visibly see. <laughs> oh, <no>. Yeah. <laughs> so like you can definitely see these dark circles under my eyes with like a half cocked smile of me just trying to take the picture. <laughs> oh no. I guess like with all that said that, and I kept telling myself like, man, this is like a lot, but you know, with my like sleepy brain trying to process everything, mm-hmm. but I ended up getting through it. And by the end of it, you know, when I started being able to just focus on like one thing, basically, which is like 
hey, yeah, work. You know, this is one thing. I don't need to focus about like anything else, really. That's where life's sort of been like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. I have time to like do other things to, you Mm -hmm. know, pursue passion projects and stuff. And, um, you know, being able to accurately gauge like, oh, my friend has this side project they want me to help with. Can I help with that? Yeah, I, I have, you know, I have the capability, I have the workload or how far I have to push myself to make something happen. So I think overall, the expectations and like the uh, ability to understand how much I'm able to work and still be able to sleep and eat. And <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like how far my limits are is basically what I felt like I got out of it. Yeah, I mean, there'll always be a, a next project, but there's only one of you. So you got to take care of yourself. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. That's <laughs> true. Very true. 100%. I am very curious about why you chose Woodbury. I've never heard of this uh, university, actually, personally, but uh, you grew up in Southern California where there's lots of um, sort of schools, you know, around the industry, I think. Right. So why why Woodbury? Yeah. So I was like sort of very analytical with everything that I was, uh, you know, especially when it came to college, I was like trying to figure out what school should I go to. And so as I was searching for animation schools, one thing that really drew me to Woodbury was like, it's like placement, you know, like where it physically was. And it was like, Mm. there's amazing schools all around, um, you know, the LA Burbank area, but Mm -hmm. like Woodbury was like in the heart of Burbank, you know, it's literally five, 10, 15 minutes, any direction, you know, like Nickelodeon, DreamWorks, Warner Brothers, Cartoon Network, Disney. It's so close to the industry, like proximity wise. So I was just Mm. like, oh, that's interesting. Okay, cool. And the more I looked into it, it it's like, oh, the professors that teach at this school, they're like in the industry. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, um, I was like, okay, cool. So a lot of my professors, they like would teach us after just finishing up at like work at whichever like insert studio name here mm-hmm. drive down be like hey guys i'm here to teach you now and it, I, I just like <laughs> thought that was like so cool to me i was just like okay cool yeah i could buy into this mm, for sure yeah that's basically that and kind of like on that topic you're currently an adjunct professor now too right <laughs> yeah so can you explain what that is and can you talk a little bit more about how you bring your experiences back to your alma mater yeah uh, like I just mentioned, you know, the, of a lot of my professors when I was, you know, in school would come come teach teach a class like right after they were uh, working at wherever they were at the time. So I became that. <laughs> it was, uh, I was just like, oh yeah. So I, I started teaching a uh, a class at Woodbury, and funnily enough, it's called internship seminar. Oh. So, Okay. Mm-hmm. The whole class is like trying to make sure that like, you know, students basically like understand like, the, the resumes, the cover letters. Mm-hmm. I do like everything I can to like try and teach them about like, you know, expectations and like the different jobs within the industry, mm-hmm. kind of laying out any sort of like misconceptions and trying to give like an overview of like, you know, everything uh, and just in general, giving them a holistic feeling of like, okay, cool. So like, you know, I understand how to apply for jobs. I understand how to find the jobs. I understand how to like talk in an interview and just like in general, just development and career advice for like students. For me, I think that's my favorite thing about like teaching, especially at my alma mater is like going back to a community that sort of Mm -hmm. brought me up and was able to like basically like pursue like, you know, any goals and dreams that I had. And yeah, it's just it's it's so rewarding to me to like, you know, just even see my students like, uh, you know, take my course and sort of continue 
applying for internships and jobs and stuff and seeing them actually get the internships and jobs that they were talking to me while they were in class. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. Uh, like, you know. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Just I was able mm -hmm. to contribute in just like a very small way. But like, mm -hmm. uh, it's rewarding to me to be in the um, trenches and see that happen. I think you say uh, in a small way, but honestly, like, don't underestimate the, <laughs> the power of a good resume, good cover letter. It's mm -hmm. so easy to get thrown in the pile of like, oh, you you didn't format right. I can't read this, you know, like, I'm just not going to look at it. That kind of, like, it's so easy because we're all, especially artists, they're like, oh, let me make it cool and like and to put all this extra stuff in here. Like, no, just. Put all the important stuff. Make sure it's legible. <laughs> yeah, I hated resumes. I hate. No, I hated cover letters more than resumes. I hated writing a cover letter. Uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Because as much as I love resumes and cover letters, like I do have a realistic understanding of like, yeah, these aren't the most fun things yeah. to do sometimes. Um. Yeah. Especially when you're in school and you're trying to take your classes or do something more fun like a character design for visual development class or something mm. like you know you don't want to <laughs> sit down on the computer and create a doc that basically explains to people what you did your whole life like mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. it's yeah it's definitely not the most fun <laughs> it's definitely definitely a process but like what i've always found like rewarding about it is like you know what could come out of it and what could mm -hmm. come out of it is like exactly <laughs> what you're you know pursuing mm -hmm. so I think that's awesome. If I could throw just like one piece of unsolicited advice out there. Do it. <laughs> at least for me, I think the biggest thing for a resume and cover letter and, you know, this could apply to like any job that you're going for is like try and make sure that like it's definitely catered toward the job you're applying to, mm -hmm. you know, especially like if you have like varied experience or a wide range of experience and that's not as focused in on what you want to do just yet you could still take that experience take key points from that experience and find the traits of that job that were applicable to the job you're applying to mm. yeah and people notice that and they definitely pay attention when you know they're reading and like trying to source a potential candidate for a role and then something I kind of want to get into is that we were talking a little bit about this before we started recording, but is there any fun projects you're currently working on? Yeah. So work is, is you know, <laughs> my, a fun project to be working on for sure, <laughs> uh, just in general. But um, fun projects when it comes to like on the side, my, uh, you know, my friend and I, uh, we work on like a lot of like animated pitches and stuff together. But um, one of the bigger things that we're currently working on, it's a like a story podcast. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And like uh, we have like such amazing talent in this podcast that we're working on together. And it's like a space adventure and it's like super fun. We have like 10 something actors. We have like a whole music wow. department going. We have like, <gasps> wow. our editorial Whoa. team. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like um, my, my friend and I, we always say like, wow, this is like <laughs> too good that it needs to be. But um, <laughs> but, it you know, in actuality, it's like especially over quarantine, just like, um, you know, so many people like within our, our little group that like we want to create we want to make something so mm -hmm. yeah so stay tuned it's going to be called the romulus five well tentatively but i'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure we're sticking with the name 
Oh, that's so awesome. I mean, yeah. you were saying that you love musicals and oh, that's just so fun to to be able to work on a project that like you're very clearly passionate about. Yeah. Mm. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. There's like, <laughs> I wish I could like show it to everyone, but like, <laughs> there, yeah, there's like this like full on like pop song in there. And oh. then like the end, yeah, this end credit scene has like an epic like. I mean, just the end, quote unquote, end credits. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> it's a podcast. Yeah. yeah. But, um, the uh, but like you know, as the credits are being, being talked off, like the background, like soundtrack we got going is like awesome. We have like epic intro themes and all that stuff. See, I'm getting excited about it, but I'm realizing that you guys don't know what it sounds like. So you're just like, okay, cool. He's talking. He's talking about a thing. No, but we can see your passion, though. Yeah. yeah when do you think it'll come out? Mm-hmm. We're shooting for the end of this year or early next year. Okay. Okay, awesome. Very soon. We'll definitely promote it when it comes out. Yeah. So excited. Oh, gosh. For yeah. sure. Thank that's you a, guys. That sounds super awesome. Yeah. It's hard to find time, but it's always super fulfilling when you can do something creative or do something like a passion project outside of work. Like, that's kind of what you can are kind of doing with this podcast. It's like, it's a lot of work, but we we have fun doing it. And honestly, I'm glad that we're doing it. And it sounds like just hearing you talk about tentatively Romulus 5 sounds like <laughs> you're having a blast whether it's a lot of work or not you're you're having fun mm-hmm. yeah no for sure yeah it's like uh what is it it's um things you could do on the side to like feed your soul mm-hmm. <laughs> i love work but you know yeah i love work <laughs> and if, if that's the only thing i had i'd be perfectly content but you know at the same time it's just like just these extra products i gotta do it's just always like a bonus you know mm-hmm. just being able to create i love it yeah oh, that's awesome one other thing I kind of want to get into, you know, all three of us being like, you know, people of color and also recognizing that there's also kind of a lack of people of color in, in the industry. How do you feel kind of like your cultural background tie into your identity, not only as a person, but like in the industry as well? Yeah, I think I'm going to mention like the, man, I feel like this is just the word of the day, <laughs> community, <laughs> community within a community, mm-hmm. right? Each company would have their own version of it, but like our like employee resource groups and stuff where like, you know, we have like an uh, Asian Pacific Islander resource group like back at, mm-hmm. you know, DreamWorks and everything. And mm-hmm. just uh, I guess just using that as an example, it was like, um, you know, they'd like put on events mm-hmm. and the events would be run by, you know, people who like, you know, I could relate who sort of like had a similar upbringing as me, who had similar cultural experiences as me. Mm-hmm. And um, they like have talks and stuff and they're like, you know, leaders in you know, the studio and the industry and they've been around the block. And it it's so cool to see sort of like um, a representation of like, oh, my gosh, like I could relate to that person, you know, and like this is their path. And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, we had a similar something. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I always think that, you know, that that's super special. Same with like even on your own individual teams, just if there's something going on within, you know, your uh, ethnic background or your community, like, you know, at the moment, or like, um, no, I'm Filipino. So if there's something going on in like in the Philippines, or if there's like a, everyone in my family is like a a fan of like, you know, like Manny Pacquiao and stuff. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like if there's something like, you know, like, like that, like, you know, like a a Pacquiao, like, you know, something going on, Mm -hmm. it's always cool to like, you know, go into work and then like, 
you sort of like being excited about this thing, like, oh, this thing's happening. And then like, <laughs> you know, and then there's uh, someone else who understands like, oh, hey, this thing's happening. And you could like talk about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. People all around. And I think this is like sort of the most fun. They were just like, what are these two guys like really excited about? <laughs> and they're like, ask. <laughs> and then you tell them and then they learn about it too. And then you're just like, oh my gosh, that's a thing. Or like, you know, that's, uh, you know, like whatever you're excited about is like something I was never exposed to. And, you know, just mm -hmm. being able to like geek out about certain things within like your culture and like, yeah, for me, like share it with like, you know, people around you. I think that the most exciting thing for me when it comes to, you know, that sort of uh, that world, uh, going back to the idea of community, everyone mm -hmm. where, you know, we're all storytellers, whether you're in, you know, an artist girl, whether you're in production, like whatever you know, if you're in the industry, like you're inherently a storyteller and all your stories come from, you know, come from you as a person and your background and stuff. So uh, everything that people brings to the table when it comes to their own personal experience and, you know, just whatever they could share it, you know, it enhances the culture, enhances the community and tells better stories and it could make cooler cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so beautiful. Well, uh, before we wrap up here on our last question, where can our audience find you? And is there anything else you want to plug? Yeah, uh, I'm on LinkedIn and I answer like everyone on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, so like if anyone ever reaches out to me, I'm more than willing to to share like a any any advice or any sort of uh, whatever. <laughs> Just let, let you know, I'm happy to talk to anyone about anything. Um, and, you know, I'm always happy to make time. So you just find me on LinkedIn, Andrew or Celia. You can just look me up. Uh, Kurt, yeah. Um, we'll link it in the description, too. Cool. Thank you. LinkedIn. <laughs> appreciate it. Yeah. Wait, sorry. Did you make a pun? Did you say link, LinkedIn and then link in the description? No, <laughs> no I don't think she no, did it intentionally, but, but, but I, I commented on it. I was like, ah, I get it. I get yeah. it. LinkedIn. Or LinkedIn in the description. I was just like, wait a minute. I'm talking, but something just happened, and I think it was funny. I mean, honestly, okay, I think, isn't, like, puns a really big thing in Filipino culture? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I guess so. I like, feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> you know? Are you, are, you, are you making an assumption right now? You can't, I am. Making... <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That was funny. Anyway, yeah. sorry. No, you're good. I guess just touching that, touching on that real quick. Yeah, you 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 said are like puns being a big thing in Filipino culture, and it just like like I flash back to like every single thing I had growing up, like every family meeting I had growing up, and I'm just like everyone is always riffing and making a pun on something <laughs> like <laughs> yeah oh gosh yeah it, it is my go-to jokes you, are puns you, you just you just he just had a window shatter moment that's what you oh just did God. for him yuki <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah uh wow Okay, see, I, I, I'm learning new things about myself every day. Okay, cool. another, another follow-up question. Uh, yeah. How often do you participate in karaoke? Oh, karaoke, yeah. Because um, I, know, I, I know that's a big thing uh, in Filipino culture yeah, as well. That's true. Yeah, well, I, it was, um, you know, pandemic and everything, but I would say not as much as I'd like to. 
um like no i guess pre-pandemic because <laughs> you know all my cousins mm-hmm. and like my family and stuff you know they go out for karaoke but during they that do. time <laughs> yeah <I know. laughs> but by the time that uh that you know i i guess i was um I guess, fun enough to be around of, you know, I was like (laughs) so focused in like school and work and stuff that I couldn't like go with them. Mm. But I made up for it because during pandemic, uh, I got a karaoke machine. (laughs) So I was going to ask every every time I went to anybody's like Filipino household, they always had their own karaoke machine. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, no, it's, (laughs) it's very true that we have like just music in general and like, you know, singing and like sort of like sharing all that stuff is, um, I don't know. It's just a form of expression that's exciting to have. <laughs> karaoke. <laughs> all right, awesome, man. Well, I guess like to wrap this up, any final advice you want to bestow on those that want to pursue a career in animation? Yes, a thousand percent. Um, and I think I'm going to uh, guess wrap it up within like two sort of ideas. So the first idea and no, and th- this is what uh, you know was, uh, you know, shared to me very, very, uh, you know, sort of early on within my career. But um, it's the idea that like obstacles, you know, present opportunity. Um, and when I first heard that, I was just like, oh, that's interesting, you know, because like whatever it may be, just in general, like when within like your career or within life, like um, uh, whenever there's like you know a problem or something to solve or like an obstacle in the way there always feels like there's something that you can learn from it. And I think that's like, you know, I think that's like, okay, cool. This is, you know, no matter how poopy it may be at the time, but like, you know, there's uh, always something to learn within any sort of trial, whatever it may be. And then um, I guess like within that same vein, a big part of like, where I grew as a person, especially, was um, I used to work at, you know, the Disneyland Resort. Mm-hmm. I worked there for a couple of years while I was still in school. So I was commuting from Santa Cruz to Burbank to Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just uh, it, it was a lot of driving. But like while I was working at Disneyland, it was um, the thing that like that I got out of it was this idea of like, you know, yeah, just being a part of word again, community or like group of people <laughs> that sort of like really focused on a specific goal and i guess like within that like you know i built my ideas of like you know customer service and like follow through and just um built sort of like per- interpersonal and like life skills that sort of got me there right so my second piece of advice is like you know whatever job you're doing even if it's not related to animation currently there's also skills and stuff you could learn within that that are a hundred percent applicable to animation Mm-hmm. I still use my Disney cast member voice if, you know, something's going on at work and it's like, you know, uh, a big obstacle or something, you know, the um, happiness comes out and it's the, you know, just like that whole customer <laughs> service of just uh, when something hard is coming my way, I know I, I know how to handle myself and be like, okay, cool. So like, yeah, I see your problem. I know how to fix it. Give me a second. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. that sort of that sort of vibe. So all of your experience is valid. Don't think just uh, just because you don't have anything that's animation specific on your resume yet that you can't come into the industry because that is thousand percent false. You could get in. You just got to like make sure that whatever information you're presenting to people is catered toward the job you're going for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, well put. Perfect advice. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed our interview with Andrew, please rate and follow us on Anchor Spotify or wherever you tune in. 
I've got a new announcement for you guys. Ray and I have been invited as panelists for Geek Girl Conline. Virtual admission is free, so catch us live on their Twitch channel on Saturday, November 13th at 6pm PST. We'll be hosting a roundtable discussion with superstars Lee Cree, Samia Khalaf, and Stephanie Rizzo for a special episode of Straight Ahead, my first steps in the animation industry. So again, tune in on Saturday, November 13th at 6pm PST to hear our unedited live voices and check out the rest of Geek Girl Conline at geekgirlcon.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at straightaheadap. Shout out to previous guest and friend of the podcast, Rivathi Kotney, for recommending Andrew as a guest. If you have any suggestions for guests, please contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. We love discovering new professionals and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guests who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can say bye to Andrew. Say bye to Andrew. Oh. <laughs> bye. <laughs> <laughs>